0: So we're, we're jumping into our last question here, and in case you don't remember, it's, is the Bible good? And, you know, this question seems kind of weird to come at the end of this, because if we have a Bible that was divinely inspired, that's clear, that we can understand, it's sufficient for our life, clearly we would argue that it's good. So I'm not going to spend a whole lot of tonight trying to convince you that the Bible's good. I have a very quick proof of that. Using all the other weeks that we've talked about, but rather what we're going to talk about tonight is what the Bible being good means for you and your life relating to the Bible. So we're going to really look at if the Bible is good, not if it's just good in general, but if it's good enough to devote your life to the full extent to it. Should we, and a longer explanation of this is why, really, we should devote our lives to study, memorize, and preach God's word. So, over the last few weeks, um, we've been looking at this, and and we we can prove that we can see that the Bible clearly tells us that God is good. Right? You can read Genesis 1, just start at the beginning of the Bible, and you can read that God made it, and he saw that it was good. God made this, he saw that it was good. Like, clearly, everything that God creates, God is, and everything that God creates, is good. And so then we looked at the fact that God spoke his word into creation. And so we know that he made his word. And so it would make sense that if he solely authored this word of God, we would be led to believe that the Bible itself is good, right? That, that's not a hard thing to understand. If we, and we've walked through this over the last four weeks, proving that the Bible is what people say it is, that it is this divine book, that it is um, something that is true, fully true, that it's something that is clear and easy, able for us to understand, and it's something that's sufficient for us to live a Christian life. So it would make sense that the Bible, believing in it and understanding it and obeying it, is to believe and obey and understand God. And God is good, so the Bible is good. That, that, that doesn't take, it's not a stretch for me to get up here and say. And if you read Psalm 119, I know we were just playing the game with Psalm. Psalm 19 is like a really, really long chapter if you ever want to read it. But it really talks about how good the Word of God is. <clears throat> you can figure out pretty quickly that the, the Word of God, the Bible, is good. So then if God's Word is good, what does that mean for us? What does it mean for us as people who are followers of God, who are believers in Jesus Christ, and who are told by the Bible to study the Bible? So what what does it mean for us? What should we do? Well, first is we should study the Bible. Okay, like that's not a big stretch, but so study the Bible is what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say to never study it alone. And if you'll remember back to when we talked about, is the Bible clear? We talked about how sometimes it is difficult for us to understand the Bible, and how sometimes when we're reading the Bible, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, or it's kind of boring, or dull, or whatever you want to call it. But we talked about how we know that we can understand it, because one, it was written by humans. So it was written in human speak so that we could understand it. And two, we read in the New Testament that God has given us the Holy Spirit. And it says it dwells inside every believer. So anyone who believes in God and in his son Jesus Christ will have an ability through the Holy Spirit to understand the words of God. <clears throat> so we're never to study it alone. And I think I think. A lot of times when, when people, and I'm not just sitting here talking about youth. I'm talking about adults. I'm talking about anyone who read their Bible in their own time. They just like sit down, pop it open. Maybe they've got a devotional that they read before. So they read this little blurb about this passage they're going to read. And it says, read Romans 12. I keep going back to that, but uh, read Romans 12. And they sit down and they read Romans 12. And they just don't, they don't really put any thought or any like preparation into it. Guys, we have to make sure to include the Holy Spirit in our study of God's word. If we don't do that, if we don't take time to to welcome God into this moment of study, to welcome him into this moment with us where we're trying to hear his words and hear from him, man, it's not going to be fruitful. Like we're not going to be able to fully understand God's words in the way that he has designed for us to because we have not welcomed him into our present. Which means that every time that you open your Bible, one, you should stop before and just spend a moment praying to God and say, hey, show me something. Send your Holy Spirit to help me understand what I'm about to read. Speak to me in this moment. Show me something in this text that you know I need to apply to my life right now. And if we do that, if we truly call upon the Holy Spirit and call upon God to come to us in this moment to read God's word, then we should dive into God's word expecting a supernatural experience. And I I wonder how many times we actually come in here to youth, come in here to church or read our Bibles, and we just come in here with no expectations. We're like, it's another Wednesday night. Go play in the gym, come in here, play a game, pull up our chair. Hear Brian talk to himself for 30 minutes and then leave. Like, how many times do we come in here expecting God to do something in this place? Expecting God to speak to us. Like, if we come in with this mindset saying that I want God to show me something tonight. I'm expecting God to speak to me tonight through his word man, it might change the way that we view everything. If you sit down to read your Bible at home and you say, I'm expecting God to show me something in this time, man, maybe that'll drastically change the way that we... Read and understand and study God's word. But the, the other thing is, as Christians, we have to study God's word carefully and we have to do it diligently. There are so many people out there, so many books, so many teachers and everything who want to take God's words and twist them. Right. And teach False teachings off of them. Uh, Jacob and I were talking today about a passage. And I said, man, so many people think this passage means this. But it actually means the total opposite. And I'm blanking on what it is off the top of my head. Um, Yeah. Uh, We'll have to look it up later. But... um, But, you know, people always say, oh, well, this means, oh, is that God sees the heart and other people see the outside, you know, and it's like, oh, well, if I have good intentions, God will see my heart and other people just see what they want to see. And in reality, what that means is you can put on the best act that there has ever been as a Christian, but God sees what's truly on the inside. Right? We always think of it as, oh, I'm a good person on the inside, and even if I act wrong on the outside, God sees my heart. When in reality, what it's saying is you can act as good as you want on the outside, but God sees all that crummy stuff you do on the inside. Right? It's totally backwards, and so people sit, and they want to teach. These false teaching teachings and so we have to, as Christians, be very careful when we read and try to understand God's word. And, and that's guys, that's what I'm here for. That's what Aaron's here for. If you have questions or you're like, man, I don't know if I totally understand this passage or something. Write those things down and come talk to us. Like I told you guys when we were doing this study, I would love if this Wednesday night was just full of you guys reading your Bible all week long, writing down tons of questions and coming in here and asking your questions to me instead of me teaching. I would love that. But what that's going to require is for you guys to diligently, which is the second part, study your Bible. Because as Christians, we have to be people who diligently and constantly are studying the word of God. And and what I think of on this is... You know, if, if you had a friend, and I think all of us at one time or another has had a good friend that has either moved away or we moved away from them or something, and we've lost contact with them, right? Like, you only talk to them, like, on their birthday or something. You'll text and be like, hey, love you, sis, XOXO, or whatever. Like, I don't know what you guys text now. But, uh, but anyway, like, <laughs> Paige is like, I may have sent that text yesterday. Um, but anyway... You know, if you only talk to a person like once a year, or even if you talk to someone once a week, then your relationship with that person probably isn't very strong. You probably don't know that person very well. But if you talk to someone every single day, or if you're constantly in contact with someone, how many of you guys in here have a Snapchat streak with someone over 300 days? Okay. You lost all yours? Okay. 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 But these are people, and I, and I understand that sometimes Snapchat streaks are not like super in-depth conversations. They're like a picture of your toe going, streaks. Like, I get that. but like, um, but, but the people that you care about and the people that you're closest to are people who you're in contact with regularly, right? So if you really care about God and you care about understanding him and his and what he wants for you, you would spend time in a relationship with him, spending time with him. Right. So many people, they see God on Easter. They're like, oh, it's Easter. Got to get. It. Yeah. The CEOs Christmas and Easter only. Um, OK, that's a churchy term for CEOs. OK, no. But uh, there's there's people like that who are like I come to church once a year you know for my Easter I get out my suit and lint roll it off because it's covered in dust because I haven't worn it since last Easter and like yeah that's Cody straight up there <laughs> Can I add something to this? yeah because this is like what he's saying is for me because this is his heart for me because I went to church as a kid you know with my friends whatever but it wasn't until I got married and if I'd have known this well actually I was dating Kinder but. She looked at me one day and said, are you saved? And I said, what do you mean? She goes, are you going to heaven? And I think I've, I've spread my testimony to a lot of you guys, but she said, are you saved? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And she goes, well, you've got to give your uh, life to Christ to be able to get into heaven. And I was like, I've never killed anybody. I'm a good person. I have never <laughs> stolen anything. But that doesn't, the good works don't get you to heaven. It's having a relationship with Jesus. And so that's what, after you said that, I was like, I don't want you guys to go, because I was y'all's age sitting here in the same, not in this class, but in a class in Little Rock, and I never knew. I, went, I had a youth pastor and stuff, but I didn't know the true being saved and having a relationship with Jesus. And so I wasted 12, 15 years of my life. It was just one question that my wife asked me. He said, "Are you saved? Are you going to heaven?" And I said, "I've never killed anyone, so that's my Jesus." So. Never killed anyone. Killed a few animals, killed a few, animals. <laughs> few <laughs> but no people. Uh, <clears throat> but realistically, like I mean, his point is so valid. You can come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday. It doesn't just have to be these people who only come on Easter. But what I'm saying is, if you're not in contact and in communication and hearing from God and talking to God regularly, man, your relationship with him is totally strained. Like, I mean, I just want you to picture, and I, and I kind of already made this image, but I want you to really picture in your mind, if you talk to a friend as much as you talk to God, what would your relationship with that friend look like? Like, I mean, I, and I'm. this is a rhetorical question, I just want you to think about it, but realistically... If you talk to a friend or spent time with a friend as much as you talk to God and spend time with God, what would your relationship with that friend look like? And if you're sitting here going, man, I wouldn't even know that person. That's a problem. Because you probably don't know God that well. And so we have to be people who are diligently studying God's word. Which means we are doing it frequently and we're doing it constantly. And we're in contact with him and we're understanding him and seeking after what he wants for our life. So first... As people who believe that the Bible is good, we have to be people who study the Word of God. Second, oh, this is a good one. We have to memorize the Bible. Oh, memorize? Yes, memorize the entire Bible. No, I'm, Okay, yes. not realistic. <laughs> I know Amen's in there a few times, so I've got a decent chunk covered with Amen. Um, I'm sure there's someone... <laughs> But, so, I sit here and I say memorize the Bible. And we talk about, I don't know if any of you guys, like, I know this church used to have upward basketball. Did any of you guys play upward basketball? Okay. Yeah. I did upward basketball, like, from first through sixth grade. Okay. Believe they, they had that in Oklahoma, too. There are Christians there, too, believe it or not. But, um, I, so, I played upward basketball uh, growing up. And... You, you get stars. And if you ever look in the gym, there's the stars on the wall that talk about different things. But you get stars after every game for what you did good. So it's like if you scored a bunch of points, you get best offense. Yeah. If you did – if you, like, played good defense, you got the defense star. If you did both really good, you, you got the – if you didn't do anything good, you got the sportsmanship star. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's how it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you have a bunch of <laughs> – Hey just like my shirt's full of best efforts. <laughs> like um But anyway, I got I got most Christ like six times, okay? Um Christ like That's the white star. Okay? But anyway, so they would give you the star, but then on the other sleeve, and they are like, iron on. So I'd always be like, Mom, iron my star on so next game I can show off that I was Christ-like last game. But um, on the other sleeve, you would also get green stars if you memorized the scripture at practice the week. Like, they'd give you one at the game, and if you memorized it at practice, they'd give you a green star. So you could put all your green stars on the other sleeve, and they'd be like, I know John three sixteen. Oh, yeah. What's now? And so, anyway... You know, and, and I don't know about you guys. Whenever I was growing up in Sunday school, we also had like a chart on the wall. And if you memorize the verse, you got a sticker. Yeah. Okay. So we're, we're all going back to these moments in our life where we've been told to memorize scripture. And everyone in here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So here's the thing. Hey. Hey, listen. Okay, guys. Hear me out. I get that memorization is not everyone's strong suit. Okay? I was blessed whenever I was young at it with a good ability to remember things. That is starting to fleet as I get a little bit older. But I was blessed with a really good memory from a young age. And so memorizing scripture was always something that came fairly easy to me. And I get that that's not the case for everyone. But I want you to think for a second. If you're sitting out here going... Uh, yeah i 'm not a good memorizer i don 't do this scripture memory thing you 're talking about like that sounds good for some people, but that 's not for me. I want you to think for a second if I offered you a thousand dollars for every verse that you had memorized when you came to church next week, thousand dollars for every single verse what pages like uh, yes, I have the book of Genesis memorized um, no, but anyway <laughs> Jesus wept. Thousand bucks, please. Um, But anyway, does John 3.16 count? I've had that one in the bank for a while. Um, No, but seriously, if I offered you a $1,000 to memorize as many, like for every verse you had memorized, you would spend this week probably to a fault like... Mom, why I didn't turn in my schoolwork because I'm trying to win us money on the Brian Game Show at church. Like, okay, but if I told you that, you would at least try for this one week to memorize as many as you could, right? Like, you would give it your best effort, no cheating, okay? But listen to me. Hey, listen to me. Listen to me. If I made that deal with you, you guys in here would give it your best shot. To come in here next week with as many scriptures memorized as humanly possible. And guys, hear me out. That's all that God's asking for. God is not asking for you to memorize the whole Bible. Right? Whenever I say memorize scripture, God is not talking about doing something inhuman. Right? Superhuman, whatever you want to call it. He's asking for your best. Right and i 'm not saying that that means put off your schoolwork to try to memorize Genesis, okay, like that, but devote time to studying god 's word, and i and I hearken back to the The pledges, I I always think the pledges at VBS are like the funniest thing, but uh, they do the pledge to the Bible. And it's actually from Psalms that says uh, that it'd be a lamp to my feet and a light to my path that I would hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. Right. That's a biblical principle that memorizing scripture helps us to not sin against God. And if you look at the the bible and there's a moment in Matthew where Jesus is tempted by Satan himself and Satan's like I will give you this I will give you that I will do this for you and blah 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 he and he's tempting Jesus to cast away God and join his side and what does Jesus do in those moments he doesn't go step back Satan you know like a uh, no or, yeah he didn't just ignore him and be like no I'm not paying attention to you today Satan no he quotes scripture Back at him, if you go read those, and my Bible has the little numbers that tells you where you can find it. Like he literally quotes the Old Testament to Satan in a way of warding off temptation. So this idea of hide his words in your heart that you might not sin against God is not just something that's cute that we say at the beginning of every day of VBS. It's something that is practical for our lives. If we we memorize God's word and allow it to be in our hearts, it helps us when we struggle with sin and temptation. And I get that reading your Bible, studying your Bible, memorizing scripture is not the most exciting thing to do. But I promise you this. The more you eat or the more you partake of God's word, the hungrier you become for it. I don't know if any of you guys in here have ever like had a food that your parents always insisted on making and you're like, this is not my favorite food, but you've just like grown to like it over like not necessarily like it, but at least put up with it. I'm not talking about like the worst food that your parents make you eat. I'm talking about like, like that middle of the road food where you're like, I don't really like this. But since someone else really likes it, I eat it frequently, right? You, yeah, you just get used to it, right? And so even though maybe at first it wasn't the best thing, like you've gotten used to eating it. And in the same way, God's word, maybe it's not the most desirable thing to you at this time. It's not the most, it's not the best thing. But the more you consume it. The hungrier you become for it, your hunger for something grows the more you feast on it. And conversely, you shouldn't expect to have a really strong appetite for God's word if you're feasting on other things in your life like social media, your phone, your friends, television, whatever it is. If you're spending all your time consuming that stuff and taking all that in, man, you're not hungry for God's word anymore. But if you sit here and say, you know what, I'm going to stay away from this stuff. I'm going to allow it to be uh, to be something that I don't pay attention to. It's truly a distraction. Then you're still hungry for God's word. You're ready to take that in. It, you know, um, I I don't know what we always ate at a buffet called Furs. I don't know if they even have those around here. But you got Golden Corral. Uh. I'm not saying that they're the best restaurant. They're the buffets that I can think of. Okay, <laughs> but okay. So when you go to Golden Corral, okay, again, not saying it's the best. When you go to Golden Corral, who goes straight for the vegetable bar? Okay. To to yeah, <laughs> Paige just like gotta get to those marshmallows, then <laughs> covered in <laughs> chocolate. Okay, whatever. But but okay. My point stays true. If you were given the choice of any food to eat unlimited food, how many of you would be like, load up the broccoli right here. That's what I'm going to eat all night long, baby. I love broccoli. I can totally do that. But, but instead we go, man, I'm at a buffet. I'm not going to waste space on the vegetables. I'm going to go straight for like, yeah, I'm going to go straight for like the fried chicken and the salmon and like, well, I don't know like what they have. Okay. Only dessert. Okay. Macaroni and and cheese all day, baby. Um, But realistically, you don't go to a buffet and fill up on vegetables, right? You go there and you eat and you eat the good food. But what's, listen, hey, listen to me. Listen to me. You don't go to a buffet and eat the vegetables, even though the vegetables are probably what's best for you, right? Like, let's be real. Let's be real for a second. The vegetables are what's best for you at the buffet, but you don't go there to eat them. And by the time you're done eating all the stuff that's not good for you, the chocolate fountain, etc., you don't want any vegetables. And it's the same way with our lives, guys. What we're talking about tonight with God's word, it is better for you than vegetables are, okay? Like... I know veggie Tales would want you to believe differently, but uh, no, but the Bible is better for you than vegetables. Like we're not talking about something that's just healthy for your body. We're talking about something that's healthy for your soul. We're talking about the word of God here. And, and the same word of God that created the world, created the universe, the same word that... Still, the storms, the same one that healed the sick, the same word that cast out demons, and the same word that raised the dead to life, and the same word that forgives sin wants to talk directly to you and radically change you, but you're too busy watching TikTok to hear it. Like, I say that as a joke, but I'm very serious. The Word of God wants to speak to you. It is is desiring to speak to you. It can do all these amazing things, but what it wants is to speak to you. And we're too busy paying attention to a thousand other things to pay attention to the Word of God. We have to be people who study the Word of God and memorize it, commit it to memory. And the last thing we do, once we've studied God's Word and once we've memorized it, is guys, we have to share it. I don't know if you guys realize it, but apart from God, we're nothing. Apart from God, we're nothing. And and without God's word in our life, we're nothing. And, and, And I get that that's like a super dark and depressing thing to think about, that without God, we're just nothing. Which, judging from the fact of the number of Teens that claim to believe in Christianity or believe that there's a God and everything being so low today, man, maybe that's why teen depression rates and suicide rates are at an all time high is because when they look at their lives and they go without God, there's if there's no God, then I'm nothing. And, you know, it's sad to me because. People aren't out there. And this is like, guys, this is my passion for youth ministry right here is because there's not enough people out there sharing the word of God with teenagers, letting them know that there is a God that loves them. And there is something more in this life than just the nothingness that it can feel like sometimes. And without the power and authority of God, God's word, we're nothing. And, and without this same power, on the other hand, the church is powerless, But with the power and authority of God's word at our disposal, we're unstoppable. I want you to think about the difference that we go from nothing without God's word to unstoppable with God's word. And now unstoppable doesn't mean that you never take a hit, right? Like just because a train's unstoppable doesn't mean that it's not going to like hit a few birds on the way through town. Like, okay, like I'm not saying you're not going to take some hits, you, there, there's not going to be opposition to people whenever you ask them if they know Jesus. Or if you, if you do what Cody says and you just ask them the question, hey, are you saved? Man, there's going to be opposition. There's, there's going to be frustration when people get mad at you. There's going to be maybe embarrassment if someone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you believe that, blah, blah, blah. Like, Man, whatever you're afraid of when it comes to sharing your faith, I'm not going to lie to you. It's going to happen, right? Like whatever you're afraid of, it's going to happen. But you've got to realize that the Bible, the Bible is so much greater than how bad these things are we're afraid of. The Bible is full of promises to us as believers. It's full of promises of blessings, of guidance, of comfort, of peace, of wisdom. Guys, (laughs) If we have all this power and all these promises from the word of God alone that have proven that the word of God has proven to be true, that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Why would we ever look to some other source? Other than the Bible, if we have power and and we have promises from God. Through the word of God, why would we care about these minor things about being Embarrassed or frustrated or whatever you're afraid of. When we focus our lives around God's word and not the world's word or another human's word. We fill ourselves with truth that is necessary for realizing God's purpose and his will for your life. We talked last week about so many teens ask me as a youth pastor. I get asked all the time. I don't know God's will for my life. How do I know God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? Guys, The God's will for your life is in the Bible. Just open it up and read it. We're driven. We should be driven to share that too. We should be driven to share the gospel and make disciples all while glorifying God and becoming like Jesus. We talked about sanctification last week, right? That's a process that as we're going through, We're also reaching out to people and trying to pull them in to this process with us. So we need to trust God's word. We need to lean on God's word and call upon his promises. I'm reminded of a story in Exodus 32 and Moses is praying to God and God's like really done with the Israelites, right? He's really upset at how they're acting, that they're worshiping other gods and blah, blah, blah. And God's like, man, I'm going I'm to wipe them all out. And Moses goes, God, remember the promise that you made to these people through Abraham, through Isaac, and through Jacob. Remember your promises. And God goes, you're right, Moses. I'm not going to strike them down. And I think of that moment where Moses says, hey, God, remember what you said. Okay, God knows everything, right? God remembered what he said. But Moses... He wanted to see if Moses would stand up for what he wanted. He wanted to see if Moses would understand the power that he had. And Moses called out to God and leaned upon his words and called on his promises. Guys, if you're, feeling, if you're feeling without peace, if you're feeling anxious, if you're feeling lost, if you're feeling like all these things that I just said that we have promises from God, call out on those promises that if you need scriptures that prove those promises true in scripture, come see me. I can give you all of those. If you're like, man, I feel lost. I need a, I need a scripture that proves that God has a, has a, has a, a promise of guidance for me. Man, I'm feeling anxious. I need the promise of peace that God gives me. I need that scripture so I can memorize it. So whenever I feel anxious, I can say that and say, God, you promise to give me peace. I need that in this moment. Guys, call upon God through his word. He's given it to us to be what we use to understand him and live a life called to serve him. And, and, and guys, I hope... I hope and pray as we've walked through this series that you have seen and understood that there is unmatched power in God's word. God's word spoke and there was creation. You want to talk about power in a word? And I hope you understand the power that you possess by being people who study God's word. And I hope ultimately that you understand the power and the responsibility that you have to share God's word with a lost and a dying world around you. So study the Bible like your life depends on it, because it does. And proclaim God's word like others' lives depend on it, because it does. Man, being a Christian isn't about just reading your Bible and, oh, I'm connected with God, I'm good. Man, I, I say this, I, I will never get this image out of my mind, okay? And I've told you guys this story before, but I'm going to share it again. I was, I was like a junior or senior, And we went to camp one summer and they played this game where they told like 10 people around an entire auditorium of like 7,000 students. They were like, okay, you're the Christian. And when we say go, you need to go around and tell as many people about Jesus as you can in like a minute or whatever. And they told one of the girls that was in my group and she was like a young girl, she was like eighth or ninth grade. I don't even think I really knew her that well. And they said, go. And it was just chaos because everyone that wasn't a Christian was running around trying to find who the Christians were. And in all the chaos of them looking for answers and looking for who the Christians were, the Christians couldn't even get a chance to share. They could only share with the people around them, right? And so when they stopped the game and they said, all right... If you were one of the 10 original Christians or if you're one of the people that the Christians shared with, please raise your hand. And there were 10 little pods of hands that went up all across the sanctuary, right where these people were. And I will never forget one of the girls in my group who was friends with that girl. We were walking back to the cabin a little bit later and she said to her, she goes, why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you save me? And it was like this light bulb moment of like, This was just a game, but the girl was mad that she lost the game because her best friend didn't tell her that she, you know, her best friend could have been like, hey, yo, Sarah, Jesus, we're good now. Okay, like that's all it would have taken. And I and, and in that moment, all I could think was how much worse I would feel one day whenever I'm in heaven and one of my best friends is being sent to hell and they look at me and they go, why didn't you tell me? Guys, the Christian life is not something that's just for us. It's something that's meant to be shared with the people that you care about. Don't worry about them thinking you're not cool or being embarrassed or what they might say to you back. Man, I'd rather be embarrassed a thousand times than see one of my friends go to hell. So be people who study God's word Be people who memorize God's word. And my goodness, be people who share God's word. Because their lives depend on it. I'm going to pray for you guys and uh, we'll get out of here. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for your word. As we've studied it over these last few weeks, we, we praise you that you would send us something so powerful and so mighty and so wonderful. And God, I pray that that your word would have spoken tonight. And if there's anyone in this room that can't answer the question that Cody posed of, Are you saved tonight? I pray that you would just work in their heart and help them to see that they need you. They need a relationship with you above all else. And I pray for those in this room who already have a relationship with you, but that relationship is strained. That relationship is almost non-existent to to a point. God, I pray that you would rekindle that fire in their life. That you would help them to have, have a newfound love for your words, God. A newfound burden for understanding your words and studying your word and memorizing your word and sharing your word. God, I pray that you would just stir the fire of the hearts in this room. That we would be a group of students that are called to serve your kingdom. That we would reach out to this community... And that we would be people who proclaim the name of God throughout this land. God, I pray a blessing over these students. God, I care so much about them. And I just want them to know how much you care for them too. That you have a plan for their life. That you have designed and crafted a beautiful will for them to live in and for them to to seek that out through your word, to find it and to walk in it, God. God, we praise you because all this stuff sounds so crazy sometimes, but it's amazing how you've crafted it all for good. And God, we pray that you would just, that you would fulfill your promises in our life. We lean on those promises, God, all these promises for us we, we call out to them right now that you would deliver all those promises upon us. Strengthen us to be people of your word, God. People who serve your kingdom. God, I pray this all in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Amen.